listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for February 7th, 2021, the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Dr. Justin Crisp. It's based on Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 21 through 31. I once spoke with someone who had both recently and long-term faced some unbelievable trials. Long-term chronic illness, estrangement from family members and their children, unemployment, mental illness, intense financial stress, and the day that we spoke, they had a migraine on top of it all. They told me that this was par for the course of their life, and that they believed God had been punishing them for something they'd done a very long time ago. I know this person for several years at this point, and they said things like this to me many times before. Most of the time, to be honest with you, I, I just let it kind of slide by, let them share the sense that they were making of their trials and just, just received it and left it at that. But that day, something in me made me think to just gently push back just a little bit tried to shift their discernment of God's presence and action in their life in a somewhat different direction. Try to shift it into a somewhat different register. I said to this person, you know, I don't think God is punishing you. I think the world might be trying you. I think that sometimes it's not God, but the world that tries us. And that right now, the world is trying you. And that God is helping you. That God is behind whatever is working in your favor, even behind the scenes. Even in those things which you have no knowledge of. God is trying to carve out a path, a road to your future and to your healing. I said all that a a bit more definitively and straightforwardly than I really meant it. You know, I, I said, God is not doing such and such, but God is doing such and such. I'd, I'd known this person well enough and long enough to know that they would tell me if they thought that I'd gotten it wrong. And I wanted for them to take me seriously, so I did kind of get right to the point. I was glad that they'd tell me if they thought I'd gotten it wrong, because I don't think I or anyone, really, can know with certainty how God is or is not working in someone's life, especially when that life is not our own. I think this. I think that no one can really know with certainty how God is or is not working in someone's life because I I think that God relates to the world in a variety of ways. More exactly, I, I think that God relates to the world in so complex, so ineffable, so mysterious a way that God sometimes acts straightforwardly just to bring something about. God sometimes just makes something happen. 
And sometimes God acts merely to permit or to allow something to happen, to uphold it and maintain it and refrain from preventing it. But that's less than making it happen. And I also believe that sometimes God acts in ways that looks more like persuasion. It looks more like God is steering or luring the world, luring us, as though God were trying to entice us or something in the world towards one possibility rather than another. I think that is that it's a mistake to think that God acts in the same generally comprehensive way all the time. That's a mistake that's made both by people who say that God makes everything happen and by those who say that God never makes anything happen. A mistake made both by those who think that God determines everything in our lives and in our world and by those who say that God determines nothing. God's power is complex and mysterious enough that the scriptures, the Bible, can say both that God brings princes to naught, as in this morning's reading from Isaiah, and that God merely sees the trouble of the afflicted, as in the 10th Psalm. That God does not willingly afflict or grieve anyone, as in chapter 3 of Lamentations, and that God disciplines us for our good, as in chapter 12 of the letter to the Hebrews. God is always involved, I think, in everything that happens in our lives and in our world. But we do not, I think, ever know with absolute certainty how God is so. Not any way until we meet God face to face, the other side of our dying. When I pray anyway, God will interpret to us just how God was involved in each and every moment of our lives. Good, bad, and ugly. Where God was, how God was acting, and how God was acting for our good. Much as Jesus interpreted the events of his life, death, and resurrection to the disciples he met on the road to Emmaus after his resurrection. Short of that, I don't really think we know anything with certainty, which is different from saying that we can't know anything at all. There is a tradition in Christian spirituality called the discernment of spirits. It's a method, or really a practice of prayer, by which one seeks to discern the movement of God in one's life. One of the hallmarks of this tradition is a distinction between something called consolation and something called desolation. It's magnificent words, right? Consolation and desolation. Consolations are occasions of great spiritual uplift. They're moments of deep peace and rejuvenation, recollection, presence, and empowerment. 
Whereas desolations are occasions of great spiritual stress, moments of disquiet and anxiety, vexation and anguish. And over time, Christians have learned to associate the presence and the action of God with the former rather than with the latter, with consolations rather than desolations. Christians, that is, over 2,000 years have learned that God is in what brings you life, not in what sucks the life out of you, which ought to be very good news for us. But Christians have also said that the task of discerning the one from the other that which gives you life and that which sucks your life away can be pretty difficult because human feelings are pretty infamously untrustworthy. We can often feel as though God is absent, for instance, when God is actually present, so present to us that we cannot see or feel God. And we can often mistake feeling good, just feeling elated, for proof that God must be right here. The question is not so much how you feel, but rather whether something is bringing you closer to God or farther away from God. And the answers can be pretty counterintuitive. Often in experiences of pain and loss, even experiences of the deprivation of the feeling of God's presence, often these experiences are actually bringing you closer to God in ways that you can perceive over the long haul, perhaps not in the moment, but later in looking back. And often experiences of happiness and even fulfillment may actually be taking you further away from God, as when the desire to be and to do good turns into egotism or self-righteousness. The sure sign of true consolation is that it opens a person up to God and their neighbor. And the sure sign of desolation is that it closes a person off to the same. Closes a person off to God and their neighbor. And all of this holds true, I think, when we're trying to discern how God is involved in something in our lives. The question is whether our perceiving and believing God to be involved in such and such a way is consoling or desolating to us, life-giving or life-denying, fruitful in love or hardening of our hearts. Believing God to have made something very difficult to happen to us, an illness or the loss of a job or a betrayal, can sometimes, though certainly not always, be consoling. It can be a source of spiritual strength, resilience, and peace. Sometimes in the moment, I've met people like this, and sometimes only in retrospect, I've met many more in that category. But sometimes believing God to have made something difficult to happen to us 
has the opposite effect. It causes us to stress and paralysis, self-loathing, weariness, or shame. And in those cases, it's important that we remember that God is not always involved in our lives in the same way. God can act in one way at one time and act in another way in another. Sometimes life happens without God making it to. That's a real possibility. And that then God is active still, still involved, but in some other way, by permitting life to occur, by failing to prevent it, no matter how painful. Perhaps also by working behind the scenes or totally off the stage to entice or to steer things towards better over the long haul. None of this is to say that it's as simple as figuring out which interpretation of God's power, God's involvement in our lives makes us feel better, okay? Uh, consoling realizations that God is behind something, as it were, can make us feel angry at God rather than calm. The psalmist, it seems to me, is angry at God <laughs> at least as much as the psalmist is pleased with him. And desolating realizations or misperceptions that God is behind something can give us a kind of stoic, stiff upper lipness that pretends to be resilience but is really a kind of callousness. As though you form so thick a skin, the world is just not getting in anymore. The test, again, is whether over the long haul, the belief that God is involved in our lives in such and such a way opens up, opens us up to God and our neighbor or closes us off to the same. The test, that is, is whether its fruit is love or despair. And here, we cannot afford to go it alone. We need others to join us in prayer as we ask God for the wisdom to discern how he is on the move in our lives, admitting that at the end of the day, we just may not know, and we certainly won't know for sure. Which brings me back to my friend. I said what I did to them, not because I'm particularly wise, I'm not, but because with some trepidation, some caution, I had come to sense that their belief that God was making all of these terrible things to happen to them one after another was not just making them sad. It was making them despair. They were losing hope. They didn't feel that God was on their side anymore. And that is the opposite of the agenda proved, revealed to be God's always and forever by this morning's gospel, which shows the God revealed in Jesus to have made his irrevocable and perpetual business the healing of the sick, not the preaching of contentment with their lot to them.
the casting out of demons, not their placation. God is in the business of changing lives, not in the business of just making us put up with them. In the end, I think, each of us knows only two things for certain. The first is that life is hard. It is. And the second is that no matter how God is involved, God's agenda is always our health and salvation. That though God's ways might be strange, God's goodness is sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can find more sermons on our website at www.stmarksnewcanon.org.